Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody to Nightlight. So glad you could share your time with us this evening. Really looking forward to tonight. First though, I do want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing introduction. As always, um, his voice and his knowledge and his wisdom and his ability to present his material is, is profound and he and his wife are uh, native storytellers. You can find them on the internet, and I suggest you do that because the way that the Native Americans pre preserved their history and taught their history to their children and those around them was through stories, and it is an amazing way of learning your history and, and one that probably is a heck of a lot better than going to the books like most of us have done in school. Tonight I have Dr. Sam Osmanovich with me tonight. And I, I really am looking forward to Dr. Sam because I've had him on once before, and he was an amazing interview. He's authored 11 books about ancient civilizations and has narrated a 12-episode documentary, Search for Lost Civilizations, for the state Bosnian television network. In 2005, Dr. Sam discovered what turned out to be the first pyramids in Europe near the town of this Visico, sorry about that, in Bosnia. In 2008, Dr. Sam hosted an archaeological conference in Sarajevo, which fueled controversy, controversy about his discovery, dividing the archaeological community. Excavation on this vast complex has been ongoing and run by his nonprofit archaeological park, Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun Foundation, since 2006 compiling more and more evidence to validate his claims. To date, the excavation has yielded five pyramids of various sizes, as well as a vast labyrinth of underground tunnels and a pyramid that is 30% larger than the largest structure on the Giza Plateau. Dr. Sam is principal investigator of this project, which has yielded some of the pioneering electromagnetic measurements in the pyramids. 
He's known worldwide as an expert on pyramids and investigated sites of pyramidal structures in China, Canary Islands, Egypt, Peru, El Salvador, Guatemala, Bolivia, Honduras, Mexico, and the list goes on and on. He is probably one of my favorite interviews because he almost anticipates my questions before I ask them. And the pyramid in Bosnia is of profound interest to me because it is so far above and beyond what what I ever thought pyramids would, could be. And it leads us into a better understanding of the true purpose of the pyramids. And we'll get into that with Dr. Sam. I'm going to bring him on now. Hi, Dr. Sam. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing fine. How's everything? Oh, everything is stellar. I'm so glad you, you were able to make it. I was afraid I was going to have to do the show without you. And, and you know, you, you tell your material so much better than I could possibly do it. Well, that would be a shame, but I'm here. Actually, I'm at uh, the conference in Laughlin, Nevada. Just had a talk yesterday. Very interesting people here. Well, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned my you know, favorite subject, the pyramids. I've been researching pyramids and megalithic sites all around the planet, concluding that for centuries we have been programmed to think about them wrongly. For Egyptian pyramids, of course, they are telling us they are tombs for pharaohs, even though in not a single one of 155 Egyptian pyramids, the mummy has been you know, recovered. The mummies are in the Valley of Kings, 200 miles to the south from the Giza Plateau or Dakhshur Plateau or Saqqara or Meidum or Havara or other pyramids in Egypt. But then you mentioned the Bosnian Pyramid. It has become the most exciting project in the world of archaeology. For 15 years now, we have been investigating the oldest and the largest pyramids on the planet, which are in the heart of Europe. Who would say that in little country of Bosnia, in southern Europe, surrounded by Croatia, Serbia, Italy, Austria, and so on, the largest pyramids are located. And uh, unlike any other large archaeological project, which has been run by the governments, departments of archaeology, universities, museums, and so on, this project is run by the non-profit, non-government foundation. So for the first time, professionals and non-professionals alike are given the opportunity to uncover the pyramid, to uncover the oldest and best quality concrete on the planet, to discover the prehistorical tunnels, organic materials, artifacts. So they have become, you know, one with the discovery. And um, in the last uh, 15 years, we have had more than 3,550 volunteers. And I know that some of them, 10, 15 years back, now they are talking to their kids or grandkids, telling them, hey, I was there when they needed me. So very exciting news. And every year we grow and we are getting bigger. At this point, Barbara, our long time ago little foundation has become a big organization 
with 75 employees. Wow. I have 36, 36 guides who, you know, take people to different tools, to the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun and the Moon and the Dragon, the Tumuli Complex, underground tunnels. When we spoke last time, I had only two entrances to the prehistorical tunnels. Now we have six of them. In the meantime, what happened, we started buying properties where we suspect that the tunnels or structures can be. So out of six entrances to the tunnels, four of them are on our property. So, you know, 2018, 2019, we discovered new tunnels, and we realized that the whole valley under the Bosnian pyramids are actually in those underground tunnels and chambers and passageways, intersections, underground lakes. I mean, it's huge. Well, through my research, I realized that under the Egyptian pyramids, there were always tunnels. Even though they are not open for public, we know that under the Giza pyramids, there are three levels of tunnels. Under Saqqara Step or Joseph Pyramid, there are tunnels they run for miles and miles. Under other pyramids, Red Pyramid and Bent and Black and Havara and so on, there are tunnels. Under Chinese pyramids, and they have 250 of them in the central province of Shanxi. They have tunnels everywhere. The Chinese archaeologists showed me those tunnels, and even though they are not open for public, now we know that they are important elements of those structures. In Mexico, you probably heard in Teotihuacan, the biggest place with the pyramids, the sun, the moon, Quetzalcoatl, they discovered tunnels. Palenque, the beautiful Mayan city in the state of Chiapas, for decades, they were saying there are no tunnels under the Mayan pyramids. And then all of a the sudden, they started discovering them. But the Bosnian pyramid tunnels are the most extensive underground tunnel network. So far, we have cleared almost two miles of those tunnels. Two miles. It's huge. And I suspect that dozens and dozens of miles of more tunnels are waiting, waiting to be discovered. So it's becoming so important in archaeological sense, digging. But that's not all. The difference between our project and all other archaeological projects, for example, pyramids in Egypt, China, Peru, and Mexico, is that we have interdisciplinary scientific approach. It's not only archaeologists or other classical sciences like geology, pedology, paleontology, but we have high-tech scientific disciplines. We have geophysical exploration. We have thermal, satellite. We have georadar. And then in the last seven, eight years, we started bringing teams who know the energy phenomena, people like physicists, electrical engineers, sound engineers, telecommunication engineers, people with the scientific instruments. So they've been measuring electrical fields, magnetic fields, electromagnetism, ultrasound, infrasound, level of life energy, and so on. 
So we are the first one who actually realize that pyramids are much more than just structure. And of course, we need to forget about the bedtime stories about Egyptian pyramids being tombs of pharaohs. It's not about one dead body being buried under the pyramid. It's about structures who are there to serve the communities almost forever. So what we have concluded after so many teams of experts are coming to our site is the new definition of the pyramid. Pyramids are energy machines. Or to be more precise, pyramids are energy amplifiers. We realize that the ancient placed the pyramids above energy potent places. In our case, below the biggest one, the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, and you rightfully said it is much bigger than the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Well, below this huge pyramid, which is four-sided, perfect orientation to the cardinal points, excellent quality concrete blocks that cover the pyramid, we discovered iron ore. Why is iron important? Because it generates electromagnetic field. What the pyramid does, it pulls this electromagnetism, amplifying it. How do we know that it amplifies the energy? Because we have measured it at the base and at the top. At the top, the energy strength 50 times stronger. And then we know that under the Bosnian pyramids, a lot of underground water flows. When water moves, it releases negative ions. Why they are important? Well, negative ions are electrically charged, the free electrical charge in the atmosphere, which is very beneficial for humans. The negative ions connect to the dust and the pollen, go down to the ground, so they clear the atmosphere. When they connect with our body, they raise the level of oxygen. More oxygen, you can do more stuff. And most importantly, negative ions remove viruses and bacteria from our body. So more negative ions, better for us. In your home or in your office, in my hotel room, very low concentration of beneficial negative ions, usually 25 to 50 per cubic centimeter. But we go downtown, 200. We go to nice villages in the nature, three, 400 per cubic centimeter. We go to the top of the mountains, about 1,000. In the Bosnian pyramid tunnels, between 20,000 and 40,000. So it's really, you know, healing level. So now we started realizing that uh, the pyramid energy has such a good quality for people. And then the next energy phenomena when it comes to the Bosnian pyramid of the sun, we are finding a lot of quartz crystal during our excavation process. We are finding it on the pyramid, pyramid walls, and in the tunnels. So, since we have already registered electromagnetic field, well, it hits quartz crystals, and through the process, which engineers know under the name the piezo electrical effect, the energy is transformed from electromagnetic to ultrasound. 
and we measure frequency of ultrasound, which is 28 kilohertz. And we know that this is the levitation frequency. People feel very light when on the Baldwin pyramids or in the tunnels underground. The next uh, energy form, we have actually two underground water flows under the Bosnian pyramid of the sun. In between, the charge is generated, electricity. The next energy form, we have a special instrument called experimental life energy meter. So it is the scale from zero to 100. For example, contaminated big cities, 25% of the life energy. Villages, 50%. Bosnian pyramids in the tunnels, 100%. And now, through our work in the last few years, we realized that pyramids actually amplifies existing natural sources of energy. So we are the first one proving that the pyramids are energy machines. In the last two decades, I've been able to hear some of the independent researchers speculating that the Egyptian pyramids might be, you know, connected to the energy or even energy machines, but since they don't have the access to the pyramids, they cannot measure, they cannot do lab analysis, they cannot do uh, sample testing. There is no way for them to prove that. Unlike them, in Bosnia, this is the most open archaeological project in the world. Everybody is encouraged to come, to measure, to date, to test. And we've been performing most of the tests and the results. Pyramids do generate energy for the communication, self-healing, to improve the molecular structure of the water, to improve the molecular structure of the food, to improve our auric field, balance of our chakras, develop spiritual abilities, immunity, and so on. So, Barbara, even though you haven't asked me a question, you see how, how it goes when um, you give me a mic. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, I am perfectly fine with you um, continuing that way. I did... I, one of my curiosities is I, I know that <clears throat> the water does create energy, and, it, and as it flows underneath it, it, it generates it. Now, you, you haven't cleared by any means all of the tunnels. If all of the tunnels were clear, would the energy that is emanating from the pyramid be intensified? Well, we've been clearing the first level of tunnels. So far, almost two miles. You know it's huge. We haven't even reached the pyramid with those tunnels. Now, we measure also different energy forms inside the tunnels. Electromagnetic fields, ultrasound, Schumann resonance, negative ions, and so on. Now, we know that uh, the tunnels and the pyramid itself, they have the same energy properties. They have the same frequencies. That's the part of the same energy body. But all the tunnels, when we discover them, are filled with the filler material. Somebody intentionally 
shut them down. Well, first of all, the pyramids and the tunnels were built over 30,000 years, and we discussed that last time, being the oldest pyramid structure on the planet. But then, in the filler material, we are discovering pieces of organic material, which we dated. It's about 5,000 years, or to be more precise, 4,610 years. University of Uppsala in Sweden and another one in Poland. So somebody closed them 5,000 years back. It's a similar scenario like Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. It was built probably 15 to 18,000 years back. It was closed 8,100 years ago. So when you close all these tunnels, the energy flow stops. If the tunnels are open, energy flows towards the pyramid. The pyramid has the ability to pull the energy underneath and to get it through seven levels of passageways inside the Bosnian pyramid of the sun. It's like a spiral going through the top as a very strong energy beam. Now, without ability to, for energy to move through the tunnels, the pyramid becomes very weak. So instead of the strong energy machine, we have weak energy machine, which still works, uh, 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 but without much power. So to answer your question, yes, we think. Once we reach the pyramid, and we're going to reach it 280 meters below the ground, or about 950 feet below the top of the pyramid, once we reach that, once we open some of the tunnels, I think the energy will start flowing much stronger. It's going to feed the pyramid, and this beneficial aspect, as well as the other ones, you know, will become much stronger. And we're going to really enjoy those benefits. So I mentioned the first level of tunnels. In the meantime, since we talked last time, we discovered the entrance to the second level of tunnels, which we named Ravne 2. So far, we have cleared only about, you know, 100 feet, because it's also filled with the material, and then we discovered Ravne 3, Ravne 4, healing tunnels, KTK tunnels. So, you know, a lot of tunnels, a lot of work. Everything we do, we do it manually. That's why we need a lot of workers. We need a lot of volunteers. So during the summertime, we usually have, um, you know, per shift 30 to 50 volunteers. They are helping us a lot. During the winter times, like right now, we have about 15 employees. You can do much with 15. You can do something, obviously. So we have the second level of tunnels which was discovered. And according to some, it seems that we might have between three and seven levels of tunnels. So now we are talking the largest, by far, the largest network of prehistorical underground tunnels. It will take a lot of effort, energy, money, organization to clear at least most of them. But we are doing really very good. Ten years back, you know, it was winter time comes, you know, I would have five, six diggers with me. We were clearing those tunnels. Now we have 75 employees. We have guides. We have you know, those workers, we have construction workers, we have archaeologists and geologists, and we have, you know, travel agency helping us, you know, to cover those costs. 
So this is becoming a really big organization, and I'm really so grateful to many people who have been supporting us. Before, people would come and visit us two, four hours, one day on their way from whatever, Slovenia or Germany to Croatian Adriatic coast, and now people stay one week or two weeks. So they are not transit tourists no more. These are people who are really interested in our discovery. They recommend us to their friends and family. They start bringing groups. So it's really beautiful atmosphere. You know, twice a year I organize this conference and tour, which I guide personally. And uh, this year it will be for the summer solstice, June 15th, 22nd, and uh, fall equinox, September 15th, September 22nd. And this is the time of the biggest festivities that we have. You know, again, in the meantime, another thing that we were able to do, um, we purchased about 15 different properties and transform it from the swamp and the blood of garbage, transform it to the beautiful park with all kinds of installations. And we organized concerts, we organized beautiful programs, we have spiritual music, we have rock music, we have... And the entrance is always free of charge. People come and enjoy. They use our labyrinth of love, labyrinth of energy, labyrinth of purification, botanical gardens with healing plants. Everything for free. We have a conference room for 200 people. And we let other you know, groups have their lectures for free there. A lot of yoga, uh, meditations. And so, so we encourage those stuff, you know, spirituality. Such a beautiful atmosphere. Last June, we had 1,000 people from 35 countries around the world, from six continents. A beautiful feeling. So they love to come there. They love the pyramid energy. They love the healing aspects of the tunnels. They love spirituality. They love archaeological and scientific aspects. So we really changed the world, you know, from little Bosnia. And uh, with the park and all these programs, it's about a different way of living, you know, by giving them entrance free of charge, parking free of charge, you know, uh, all installations for free. We want to bring freedom back to the people. We are born free. But the next moment they are telling us, you can do this, you can do that, the law says this, the government will be that. Well, in our little open community, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're focusing mainly on the Pyramid of the Sun, but there are, are other pyramids there. Are there tunnels to them and through them? Have you, have you determined that they, they as well have the same type of tunnel complex in them? Well, uh, three major pyramids, the Bosnian Pyramids of the Sun, Moon, and Dragon. When we connect their tops, the distance is the same, 2,170 meters, about 1.3 miles. So they mm -hmm. form equilateral triangle. Now, equilateral triangle is a perfect geometrical shape and as such part of the second geometry. Now, two other pyramids, the Pyramid of Love and Temple of Mother Earth and the entrance to the tunnels and the river form another equilateral triangle, triangle within a triangle, Again, sacred geometry. And then top of the 
sun pyramid and the love pyramid and two more pyramidal hills, we can see the existence of the golden section, golden number, number three. And then if we use the center of all these triangles, seed of life or flower of life. So now we can see so many elements of sacred geometry above the ground. And finally, you know how we have uh, the star constellation of Pleiades, seven sisters yeah. of Pleiades, which are visible by naked human eyes. And you can see uh, the stories about the seven sisters in the oral traditions from American Indians, from Mexico to India, Egypt, and so on. Well, five existing Bosnian pyramidal, pyramidal structures actually match five out of seven stars. So it seems that uh, our pyramids in Bosnia have something to do with this important star, star constellation. Now, below the ground, well, we believe that uh, the tunnels exist between the sun and the moon and dragon pyramid. Like we have this you know, triangle above the ground, it has to be another one below the ground. And not only the passageways, but also the water. Under the Bosnian pyramid of the sun, huge water reservoir. Under the moon pyramid, another one. Under the dragon, another one. Now, when the water is exposed to pyramid energy, it becomes healing water. Why am I saying that? Well, in the tunnels, we have discovered several tunnels with the water accumulation. We have analyzed this water. First, the conventional analysis, chemical and microbiological. The water has no viruses, has no bacteria. It's perfectly healthy to drink. pH is excellent, 7.5. You know how pH from 0 to 14. 7 is recommended, which is neutral. But our blood is not 7. Our blood is 725 to 750. And the water from pyramid tunnel is exactly 750. You can inject that water directly to the blood. Nothing would happen. So now we know that we have water in the tunnels. We have water under the pyramids. Those three pyramids in Bosnia, sun, moon, dragon, they are of different designs, different size, different slopes, different materials. And when you have such differences, obviously the energy result is different, different frequency. They all affect the water in beneficial way, but a little bit differences. You know, uh, our mineral waters, like in Bosnia, we have 40 different kinds of mineral waters. They're all good. Some of them have more magnesium, some of them more calcium, but they are all good and healthy. So now imagine we have three pyramid waters. And somewhere in the middle of these triangles, it should be underground lake, underground water accumulation that makes all these three waters, which becomes supercharged water. We are not there yet, but we believe something like that do exist. So I think in front of us will be many more discoveries. And it comes what's above the ground and below the ground in archaeological sense, in energy sense, in spiritual sense. We've been noticing that pyramid energy do affect our spirituality. 
people are becoming more open-minded. Their fourth chakra, the heart chakra, the sharing, the love is open, is wide open. So they are like completely different people. People who come and volunteer for us. I mean, they are so nice. After, after a couple of days, they become the best friends. And uh, I was in Australia last year, and I was talking to one of my volunteers. She's a very nice lady. She's a forensic expert. She has actually had a PhD. And she's like very conventional. She was very conventional with her thoughts. She came to Bosnia, and the first day, people were introducing themselves. This guy said, you know, I'm from Germany, name so-and-so, the reason I'm here is so-and-so. You know, the guy from Holland, from Russia, from Slovenia, the guy said, well, my name is so-and-so, I'm from Pleiades. And this woman <laughs> thought Pleiades are some Greek islands. And then later she realized <laughs> the guy was saying, well, I'm like a cosmic soul. Well, after yeah. she was coming like three years to volunteer, and then... She became a completely different woman. I mean, working for the government over there, forensic expert, she was working for the uh, you know, police, whatever. I mean, then she realized there is a completely different world out there. So we so much enjoy our project. We so much enjoy to see people transforming there and um, so much fun over there. Well, you know, they, you've, you've talked um, often about how in many ways, there there is a cosmic purpose to to the pyramids, and it it feels as though it's it's in some way used for communication. But to mm-hmm. who? Well, I'm scientist, open-minded, but scientist. You know, I've been looking for uh, to many of my colleagues, independent researchers, who go to Egypt, go back to Tepe, Peru, Mexico, Bolivia. And they make their observation, but they never measure, they never test, they never do analysis. In our case, we measure everything, at least what we can measure and what we think it should be measured. I believe there are more energy phenomena, and we know we don't know uh, how to develop instruments to measure those energy phenomena because there are many soft, subtle energies. Well... On the top of the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, in a diameter of 13 feet, we have detected and measured electrical field of 28 kilohertz. Now, when we sent a drone, the drone was uh, flying about, let's say, 6 to 8 feet, then it would be going left and right, 150 feet, back and forth, 150 feet, then another 6 or 8 feet, Higher, left, right, back, forth, high, left, right. So we have covered this huge area, and we concluded that this energy beam indeed starts at 13 feet, but then it starts, you know, getting bigger, wider, and larger at the height of 70 feet above the top of the Bosnian pyramid. We notice that it is the strongest and the biggest. And then it becomes narrow. And then again, wider and narrow and wider and narrow. So, our engineers and physicists said, well, these are the scalar waves. Conventional science called them torsion fields. Well, we named them Tesla's scalar waves because Nikola Tesla, 20 years ago, was experimenting uh-huh. with this type of waves. 
subtle, soft energy with a different feel than, uh, you know, conventional science, even in that time, uh, was thinking. So, in the last 50 years, Russian nuclear physicists and theoretical physicists, they've been experimenting with the scalar waves for the military purpose, because of one reason. The scalar waves are much quicker than the speed of light. Now, we can ask ourselves, how is that possible when they teach us? Well, Albert Einstein's hypothesis from 100 years ago that the largest speed in the universe is the speed of light. And indeed, almost 300,000 kilometers per second, or 182,000 miles per second, is a huge speed. For our planet, more than enough. If you are in Bosnia and you are sending the light with the speed of light to, let's say, New York, which is 5,000 miles away, you can see this light instantly, the same second. But if you send the light to our sun, it takes seven and a half minutes. If you send it to the northern star, 700 years. If you send it to the center of our galaxy, Milky Way, it takes 40,000 years. If you send it to the center of the universe, where the old guy in a white robe and very long white bird is sitting, getting very busy creating the world, galaxies, and life. It takes 5 billion years. So imagine, we are sending information from our planet to Creator in the center of the universe 5 billion years. By the time he answers our questions, it added 5 billion, so it's 10 billion years. So 10 billion years to the cosmos is a very, very slow. So if you and I are creators, we would like to communicate with our children, the planets, the suns, the galaxies, different forms of life. We would like to communicate with them instantly. We want to know what's going on. We don't have a luxury to wait 10 billion years. So, the speed of light is actually very slow. But the speed of scalar waves, according to the Russian physicists, is at least 100 million times quicker than the speed of light. How is that possible? You know how they, they were teaching me and probably you a few decades back that 85% of the cosmos is actually empty space. It's a vacuum. There is nothing there. Well, I would say wrong. There is not such a thing as empty space. There are always some nano-electrical charges everywhere. And really, the scalar waves, they travel through those nano-electrical charges. They don't travel like from point A to point B, which really takes time. But they are like waves. They simply go from, you know, like a wave. They go from one, you know, um, charge to another one, another one, another one, instantly. So the transfer of information, the transfer of energy from one end of our galaxy to another one 
is instant. Therefore, the first potential purpose of pyramids would be communication between cosmic bodies. You know, when uh, Nikola Tesla built his famous Wardenclyffe Tower in the state of New York, did a couple of experiments, and then because of lack of money, you know, he abandoned the project. But based on those couple of experiments he was writing, I found ways to move unlimited quantities of energy, thousands of horsepowers, between two cosmic bodies, regardless of their distance. The frequency he was using, by the way, was 28 kilohertz, the same frequency that we measured on the top of the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. And now, finally, after this long introduction, to answer your question, where this energy beam is pointing? Well, you know, we were measuring this energy beam on the Sun Pyramid in the morning, noon, and afternoon. And we could see that in the morning, it is not really like 90% going up. No. It is a little bit moved to the east. At the noon time, south. Afternoon, southwest, and then west. And of course, this is the path of our sun. In the morning, we can say it's east. Noon time, it's high above, located on the south. In the evening, it goes towards west. Does it mean that the pyramids communicate somehow with the sun and then through the sun, using it as a cosmic gate, with other solar systems and other galaxies forming some type of the cosmic internet? Well, it is possible. If that is the case, that would be undeniable proof. The Bosnian pyramids and some other pyramids, the oldest, the most superior on our planet, are part of a huge network built tens of thousands of years back, which were used obviously, obviously for the knowledge transfer, communication, and some other purposes. You know how they are telling us that uh, some of the ancient people, they were worshipping our sun as a god, for example, Mayas, and they do mention Aztecs who are doing sacrifices, you know, for the sun, um, for the god's son, which was like their father. But as well, Aztecs, you know, and we can follow them from the 12th to the middle of the 16th century in Mexico. At that time, they were one of the world's superpowers. Their problem was the military, they did not have, you know, very strong military. So when the Spaniards came, they defeated them. Well, anyway, Aztecs are actually not the most developed, but the most primitive in the chronology of civilizations in the Central America. They were following the stories about sun being their father, and then they should, you know, give their love to the father. They got that from the Mayas. Mayas were really giving their love to the father-son. But Aztecs were actually, you know, capturing, you know, other tribal leaders, and they would rip yeah. their heart 
dip their heart, giving it to the sun. Well, the Mayas were not doing that. The Mayas were giving the flowers to the sun. Why? Because they knew that the sun gives us warmth, light, life, but also knowledge. Does it mean that they knew the secret of the pyramids? Is that the reason why they built more than 100,000 pyramids in the country that we know today under the names of Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Belize? Very possible. They knew that it should be two-way communication between the cosmic bodies like the planets and the sun, and then between the sun and other solar systems within one galaxy. Well, if that is the case, then, you know, our pyramids are important part of this, you know, connection of this complex, of this cosmic internet. So it's becoming one of the most exciting aspects of our research because we are applying engineering minds and scientific instruments. Well, not only that, but there are there are pyramids everywhere. It's not just Egypt and, and um, South America that we have them here in the United States. There, I, I don't know this, if there's any place that there aren't pyramids, so that there had to be a, a greater purpose for them than everybody just thought, gee, let's do these things that you know stand tall and, and look impressive. There has to be more to it than that, especially... Especially when you look at, at the Great Pyramid at Giza, I mean, um, no higher, no hieroglyphs, no nothing, and and it it appears to be, have been functional. The Nile theoretically came up close to it so that there there was water beneath it. I think there still is water beneath it. Um, yes. So so it could have been a huge generator as well. Correct. Exactly right. And you are right. I mean, the pyramids are built on all continents. We have seven continents. They are built in North America. Of course, we have Cahok, they call them Cahokia Mounds, today 120, originally 250, actually. Pyramids. Mound is when you take dirt and make something, but the, these are not mounds because they have four types of construction materials, sandstone plates pebbles, rocks, sand. So, 250 in, uh, uh, in the U.S. We have hundreds of thousands in Central America. We have them in Peru, 300. We have them in Bolivia, so it's North, Central, South America. In Europe, we have them in Spain, Palencia pyramids. We have in Italy, 16 of them in ancient Greece. We have Bosnian pyramids. We have them in Africa, 155 in Egypt. 224 Nubian pyramids in northern Sudan. We had them around the African continent, the island of Mauritius, seven of them, Sicily, 43 of them, Sardinia, Monte Dakodi, one, Canary Islands, 104. We have them in China, 250, Indonesia, Western Java, the pyramid, our good friend Dr. Danny Hillman is the investigating that one, 26,000 years old pyramid. We had them in Cambodia, beautiful example, Koch Ker pyramid in northeastern part of the country. 
we have many other pyramids in Indonesia. Then I was in Australia. There is a Gimpy pyramid. Gimpy pyramid is an hour and a half drive to the north from Brisbane. This is pyramidal hill. Somebody shaped this hill. Four sides, triangular faces, and they placed megaliths on top, and they placed four megaliths to match the cardinal points, east, west, north, south. So six continents pyramids. Well, Antarctica, we do have uh, some recent reports of yeah. the, actually three pyramid sites. And when you look at the photos, two or three triangle faces are visible, partially under the ice. So I believe that the ancients are building the pyramids as a multi-purpose energy machines. Communication is one of the purposes. Like, like I said, we have healing, we have water, we have food, we have spiritual abilities, and so on. And the interesting thing is, the oldest pyramids are, at the same time, the biggest and the most superior. You mentioned Great Pyramid of Egypt and the Giza Plateau. Uh -huh. Limestone block, granite block. Those pyramids that came later, 12th, 19th, 20th dynasty, 3,300 years back and so on, they were built from the mud bricks. Well, even though mud bricks is today construction material in some parts of Egypt, mud brick is yeah. inferior material. The Chinese case, the same thing, 20 largest pyramids. We have sandstone and granite. Bosnian pyramids, 30,000 years. The best quality concrete. You know, in Bosnia we have this artificially made concrete. Some people call it geopolymer concrete. Some people call it synthetic concrete. Well, when it comes to concrete, you can determine the quality based on two elements. The first one is hardness. Harder the concrete, better quality, it is more durable. Our concrete in the 20th century were on a scale from 10 to 60 megapascals. 60, the best quality, made in US, made in Germany. The uh, hardness of Bosnian pyramid concrete, after we have analyzed 50, 50, 50 samples, it goes from 73 megapascals to 155. 155 we cannot make today with our technology. The best quality that we were able to make when building the biggest skyscraper, Burj Khalifa in Dubai, was 115 megapascals. I mean, these are numbers, this is five. You can deny yeah. that. The second element for the quality of concrete, water absorption. If water can get in the concrete during the winter time, it freezes. And once you have ice, ice has a tendency to expand and concrete breaks. So our norms today up to 3% water absorption. The one that we are finding on the Bosnian period of the sun, only 1%. So superior. So you go deeper in the past, the pyramids are superior. This is not what they taught us in school. They were telling us, hey, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 years back, the primitive caveman level. 
and at the time they were becoming the most intelligent, the most advanced, the most beautiful. Well, that's not the case. We have had episodes in our history. Instead of the theory of evolution, which is telling us, you know, primitive, today the most advanced, we have something else. We have cycle after cycle after cycle. The last cycle ended 12,000 years back, at the end of the last ice age, when some of the huge and very developed civilizations, you know, they had their end. Huge catastrophes, not only the flood, but volcanic eruptions and earthquakes on unimaginable scale. We had uh, um, such a huge flood waves, tsunamis, reaching one mile in height. You know, the one that hit Indonesia in December of 2004 uh, was uh, about 80 feet high. 80 feet. And it killed 225,000 people. Can you imagine wow. one mile how, how strong, how powerful? So basically, the civilizations were gone. 99% of humanity was wiped off from the face of the planet. So those who survived in underground tunnels, in natural caves, on the top of the mountains, when they got back on the surface, their world was destroyed. They had to start from the beginning because the knowledge was discontinued. So that was the last cycle that started 12,000 years back. And in science, from 10,000 years back, we have what's called Neolithic time. Before that, a couple of thousand years, Mesolithic for that Paleolithic. But in Paleolithic, 18,000 years back, we had another big catastrophe. 32,000 years back, another huge catastrophe. 55,000, 75,000 years. So it's cycle after cycle after cycle. Once we are gone, and it would happen rather soon, in the near future, those who survive, and most probably less than 1%, once they come to the surface, they will think that they are the first one and the most intelligent one. And they will be making the same mistake like we do. Amazing. And a little <laughs> frightening to think that, you know, you're building something and you're building upon knowledge and you're, you're stretching and discovering you know, uh, the past and you're, you're pulling material from the past to create a foundation for the future and you get to a certain place and it's, it's sort of like one of those toys. You, you make amazing drawings and you turn it upside down and shake it and everything's gone and you have to start again. Yes, but I mean, the ancients were smart. They knew that one thing that will last is stone. Yes. You know, Egyptian pyramids were not built 4,550 years back. They were built more than 12,000 years. The Sphinx was built more than 12,000 years. Oh, you yeah. Know, pyramids in Indonesia, the first pyramids in Mexico, more than 12,000 years back. Bolivia, more than 12,000. So they were all built before the end of the cycle, before ours. They knew uh -huh. that stones would survive. And the matter of fact, the pyramids were built to last forever. I mean, imagine the concept. They are using natural materials. 
They use stones, they're making concrete, but not like ours in the cement. They use clay as the binder. They are using shapes. They knew that the four-sided pyramid is the most powerful geometrical shape on our planet when it comes to the energy. They are using elements of sacred geometry, equilateral triangles, golden section, number pi, because they knew that sacred geometry amplifies the energy. They were using underground tunnels, because they knew that those tunnels and cavities, they amplified the energy. They were using quartz crystal. These are all natural elements, because they knew that it transforms the energy. And that could last really forever. And I would say the pyramids will be there, or most of them, once we are gone. They are going to survive. Not our skyscrapers, not our technology, (laughs) not our TVs or cell phones. The pyramids of songs will survive. They will all go poof. Um, What what I was curious about was with the Pyramid of the Sun, um, and I may be wrong, but... uh, I do believe I, I heard you say at one time that that the different faces were, were different materials. I know one of the faces had a lot of quartz crystal in it, and others, it, it, it was almost as though each side was, was done in a different material. Well, that's another thing. I mean, we want to apply our concepts to the ancient buildings. It's impossible. Uh-huh. They are building differently. They all... They had their own reasons because they knew energy better than we do. They knew the ley lines, they knew the elements of sacred geometry, they knew the shapes, they knew significance of the having those sides to the cardinal points. We know that, for example, the Giza pyramids have perfect orientation. The Great Pyramid of Egypt or Cheops or Hufu Pyramid has an error from the perfect north, cosmic north, of zero degrees and uh, three minutes. The Kefren or Kafre, the second largest, zero degrees and three minutes. Um, Mikarinos or Mycerin, uh, zero degrees and 18 minutes. Then the Bent Pyramid in Dakhshur, zero degrees and 12 minutes. Red Pyramid, my favorite, in Dakshur also, zero degrees and five minutes. I mean, few minutes, it's it's almost perfect. It's zero degrees. The Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun, zero degrees, zero minutes, and 12 seconds, the most precise on the planet. I measure the orientation of Chinese, Indonesian, Mexican pyramids, Kohker, and so on. In most cases, it's really perfect orientation. So these are the scientific facts. Egyptologists never mention this because they cannot explain that. Precision and the purpose. Independent researchers, and I don't want to name them, the people from 1990s, they do mention that. They don't know how to explain that. And this is the explanation. Everything is energy. Our planet is a huge energy ball. You have energy ball, you have energy movement. The strongest energy moments are north-south and east-west. You build a pyramid, you perfectly orient it, east-west, north-south, 
it automatically initiates the movement of the energy within the pyramid. We know in our Bosnian pyramid example that there are at least three energy movements. The first one is the one that I mentioned earlier, this energy being going through a network of passageways like a spiral and then through the top. That's the first one. The second one is the one that moves within energy flow moves within, hitting one-third of the height, going back to two-thirds of the height, coming down to one-third, hitting the walls, and then completing the circle. So this is the second energy movement. And the third one is the energy that flows off the pyramid, on the ground, in concentric circles, affecting agriculture and social organization. So these are energy movements. That's why the orientation is so important. You want to, you know, adjust with the energy of the planet. The ancients were so smart. So for them, it has always been about the energy. For us, it is the same case. But look what we do. Everything we do, we do wrong. Our concept of energy, a couple of hundred years back, thermal power plants, coal, dirty industry. And then throughout the 20th century and even today, oil and gas, again, dirty industry, and you are using the resources, the limited resources of our mother planet, or nuclear power plants. I mean, look at it, you know, from Chernobyl to Fukushima, and they will still, you know, active, you know, radioactivity going to the, to the Pacific and the other world seas and oceans. Everything we do with energy is so wrong and so expensive, and it allows less than 1% to have more than 90% of the resources. And more than 90% of the people struggle in their daily lives. And energy concept is really one big deal in the whole thing, because it is not only about the you know, exploration of oil, gas, coal, uh, uranium, and so on. It is about the power plants. It's about the distribution system. It's about the chemical industry. It's about the petrochemical industry. It's about the auto industry. It's about plastic. It's about our life. And then, when you look at the frequencies that we use, in the U.S., we use 110 volts. In the, uh, Europe, 220 volts. If you touch the loose wire, it kills you. And then we use, of course, cell phones. We use Wi-Fi. Today we have 4G, 5G in Europe, in Bosnia, it's still 3G. But 3G, 4G, 5G, you put your phone on your ear, you talk for 10, 15 minutes. It kills millions of your brain cells. The frequencies that we use when it comes to Wi-Fi and cell phones, you know, several gigahertz. In the future, with the 5G, it will be 90 gigahertz. They are so bad for us. Our processing is becoming slower and slower. We are becoming dumber and dumber. And at the same time, we are becoming more aggressive. We are like aggressive zombies. So what have we been doing to ourselves? And the ancients were so much smarter. They were building the structures. They were relying on shape, sacred geometry, above energy potent places. 
and they were getting energy machines that would last forever, and they were amplifying natural frequencies that are beneficial for us. Well, it, it is, you know, very <clears throat> upsetting um, because, of course, you know, you think you it's it's you think it's it's progress, and it's not. It's recession, and we have uh, worked so hard to advance and have new techniques and have new inventions and and to sort of stretch ourselves into science and science fiction processes and and it doesn't work the the more we try the more we try to get ahead the further we seem to fall behind which is a little frightening um it it sort of makes me wonder um, if if we are indeed on these cycles, you know, apparently we don't need a major disaster to put us backwards. We're doing it ourselves. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, the question is, what's going to hit us first? Is it what people call global warming? Is it one of the, you know, cycles of the planet? Because the planet, what the planet does, you can stop that. And we can see that in the last few hundred thousands of years, we have change of the ice ages with the warm periods, and usually during the warm periods, which last from eight to 12,000 years, we can see the rise of civilization. And guess what? It has been more than 12,000 years already, and most probably we are talking at the most a couple of hundred years more. But then when you see with the 5G network, I mean, we're going to all, like I said, lose our spiritual abilities, we're going to become zombies. Or is it about AI that's going to end our civilization, artificial intelligence? I mean, we got so many threats. And I, I remember, Barbara, a few decades ago, in the 80s and even 70s, everybody was talking about the possibility of the nuclear war because it was the age of the Cold War. And yeah. today nobody talks about it nuclear war, and then it was like chemical warfare, biological warfare. We don't talk about it so much. We're talking about artificial intelligence and robots taking over and so So, you know, we've been creating uh, such a world with so many uh, disastrous scenarios for us. I don't know which one's going to hit us first, but what we can do as individuals, we need to do the best. And uh, well, now the Bosnian Pyramid Project, that's what we do. What, yes. what is amazing to me, now these pyramids have been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, yes. You know, 30,000, 40,000, you know, and, and possibly some we haven't discovered that are, that are even older. Who knows? But they've been sitting there waiting for us to become advanced enough, spiritual enough, and, and I think spirituality comes into this, that, that mm-hmm. in order for us to be able to facilitate and utilize the power that they have there for us, and it's almost as though at least now we, we are able to identify the energy that is coming off of them to a degree to possibly at some point understand what, what their their total purpose was, and I guess if if an asteroid hits or something and we're all wiped off the face of the earth, they'll wait again for another cycle of of 
15, 20, 30, 40,000 years, but it seems a pity yeah. to get this close to get this this close to it. it, it it's almost like being on a diet and wanting that, that coconut cake so bad you can, you know, just taste it and then suddenly everything's wiped away and you have to start all over. But but the pyramids remain. They they sit there and they wait possibly for a culture that is worthy of discovering what they're truly meant for and how to use them. Yes, you're right. Uh, you know, there is a saying, uh, people fear time and time fears pyramids like they are forever. But when you go to Egypt and when you look pyramids like red or some other uh, pyramids, even though, you know, they use uh, limestone, which should last very, very long time, you see that slowly it's going to dust. So even pyramids have their expiration date. But for us, oh, yeah. it would be important to find a way to live in a harmony with the nature, to live in a harmony, you know, among us. Mm-hmm. And the pyramids give such a beautiful energy, subtle energy, which is ben- which is always beneficial. And we have proven that, and we have witnessed that. You know, in Russia, my colleague, Dr. Alexander Golot, he built 16 pyramids. And his most famous one was near Moscow, which unfortunately was destroyed four years back. But while he was still having it, he, uh, at one time, he was telling me he placed five tons of uh, kitchen salt inside the pyramid. And after a month, he shipped the salt to the nearby prison. And he signed a contract with the Russian government. And he asked the uh, department chiefs over there to use the kitchen salt during the breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's it. Just the salt. A little bit of salt. Three months later, he went to prison, he spoke to those department chiefs, and he asked them if they could notice any difference in behavior of the prisoners. And the answer was yes. They said, this is like we have brand new prisoners. The violence level was reduced to zero percent. Zero percent. Imagine prison with 6,000, 6,000 prisoners there. I mean, those prisoners, they always like to play with the knives, kill each other, threaten each other. (laughs) Violence level, 0%. After two years, when his contract expired, Golod told me he went to the government to sign another one, and they refused. They did not want to renew the agreement. It seems that the government want us to be violent so they can use the instrument of power, the police, the military, whatever they have, against their own people. All governments seem to be focused on, while well, I'll say they want peace, they all have tremendous armies. So that, and that includes the U.S. Um, that that they build a military to quote unquote protect themselves, and yet 
they also turn around and then use their armies as aggressors. So um, I, I know there has to be a lesson for the the purpose of the pyramids. Uh, I mean, you're certainly uncovering layer by layer by layer of an understanding as to as to what the truth is, what the purpose is, and and what direction you're meant to take. But it it is um, it's it's almost as though there is a conspiracy to prevent you from going as far ahead as fast as you would like to because it will change the world. And exactly. You know, the powers that be don't want the world changed. They're pretty happy with it the way it is. I know. You know, the thing is that uh, elites, they've been controlling us for millennia now. Uh-huh. And it's just a very few of them. You know, it's less than 1%. But the thing is, they've been very, very organized. And the rest of us, we are not organized. That's our problem. We have to organize ourselves better. And the government should become our service instead of us servicing them. They should service people. Yeah, I think that's the way it was meant to be, but somehow it got messed around. I mean, look what happened to the Egyptian archaeologists that came to the pyramid a decade or so ago, and and they investigated it, and they said, yes, indeed, this is a real pyramid, and then they went home, and if they held by their saying it was a a real pyramid, they got fired, and those who wanted to keep their jobs then, then had to change what they were saying. I guess to you know to preserve their own tourism or whatever, but it seems to me there should be enough to go around. Exactly. Well, there's the case of uh, Egyptian geologist and archaeologist Ali Barakat. He's PhD and he came to Bosnian Pyramids, spent 42 days, excellent researcher. He concluded that the Bosnian Pyramids are real. There are real pyramidal structures. He went back to Egypt, and they said that he betrayed his country, country of Egypt, by confirming that the pyramids exist in Bosnia. I mean, betrayed, if you are a scientist, you go by scientific arguments, not by the political, you know, um, color decision. So, yeah, indeed, they did fire him from the Egyptian government. And that's a shame. Why? Because they thought they're going to save some, uh, uh, you know, tourism for them by uh, saying the Bosnian pyramids are hoax and a fake. Well, guess what? I mean, we have more and more tourists every year from Europe and from the world, but it's not about the competition. If they were smart enough in Egypt, they would open their project to interdisciplinary research, to engineers and physicists and medical doctors and independent researchers. This is the best way to bring the enthusiasm back about the pyramids. And then we could say, hey, let's measure all those pyramids in China and Bosnia and Egypt and Peru and so on. So if they're indeed energy machines, then you would 
see the boom of the archaeological tourism. So if they were smart, that would be the way to go. So I hope eventually, you know, people will, will realize that. And uh, I remember, you know, 20 years back, if you were listening National Geographic Channel or Discovery or History, they are talking about the Egyptian pyramids always in the terms of, you know, the surrounding dynasty, the fourth dynasty, the fifth, building the pyramids, being tombs, uh-huh. but not anymore. Now they started talking about the pyramids having something to, to do with the energy, amplifying electromagnetic fields. And guess what? We've been doing that for 15 years, you know, very thorough and systematic research. And I know that 10, 20, 50 years from now, everybody will be following our path and our scientific I would, example. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I think that in many ways, though, it's really to your benefit to be going slowly as you are because the, 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 the material that you're uncovering, the material you're able to share, um, if, if there were a large corporation behind all of the stuff that you're doing, um, the care with, with the excavation wouldn't be there, the time spent getting to feel the energy and knowing where to go and how to go there um, would would be overwhelmed by, by big machines and people trying to get places faster than they're supposed to. It feels as though what you're doing is in direct proportion to the, the, the element of the spiritual awareness that is coming from the process and that's something that you can't you can't rush. That's something that has to evolve on its own. And um, now you said you had a, a couple miles of tunnels. How close are you to actually getting beneath the pyramid of the sun? Well, the entrance to Ramnet Tunnel, the biggest network that we have uncovered so far, is uh, 2.5 or 1.3 miles, 2.5 kilometers from the pyramid. Now, it's a long way. 1.3 miles is a long way. But so far, we have shortened the way to the pyramid for 650 meters or about 2,000 feet. Now, we are not clearing only one tunnel. We're not, you know, removing the filler material from one tunnel. The reason why we are making like a circle, circle, circles, the reason why, you know, if... God forbid, you know, the ceiling collapses. We don't want any accident. We want people to have always emergency exits. Uh-huh. So we have cleared 2.5 kilometers in the main, uh, the main tunnel, and we shortened the way for 650 meters. It's about 700 yards. So it, it does slow us down big time, but it is much safer way to do it. And we have to keep it safe because if something happens, I know they're going to come after us and they're going to shut us down. So we have to be very careful. And now in the, in the light of discovering more tunnels on our property, they're so interesting also. Last year we had the archaeological campaign in one of the entrances, which we named the Ravne Tree Tunnel. We discovered, when we discovered it, about 200 feet was an open tunnel. And we could see that in those uh, layers on the ground, 
uh, there were some artifacts. First, he started discovering artifacts from late Middle Age, and then from early Middle Age, from Byzantine times, from ancient Roman times, 2,000 years, from Neolithic times, four or 5,000 years back. So that open section was used, obviously, by people, one, two, three families in the past. And uh, we have discovered 3,200 different artifacts, mostly pieces of pottery, but also some tools, some iron tools, and so on. That was important for us for another reason. You know, sometimes people have been attacking me. Oh, he's been reshaping the hills to get the pyramid shape. Or he's been digging tunnels himself. Well, <laughs> if I'm doing that, if I'm digging them myself, how come we are finding thousands of artifacts from different time periods and everything is documented? Did I plant all those artifacts in the soil layers? So uh, for that reason, it was important for us. So people can see that there are artifacts from different time periods. And um, so this, this project is so big. Right now we have two museum exhibitions there. And we're not even registered for the, you know, museum activities. So the things well, I, are coming rather fast, yeah. One, one, of the, one of the things that, you know, fascinates, has always fascinated me, fascinated me about the tunnels are the ceramic boulders that, that you've uncovered. Um, no, that that's, that's, that's a special, special area of interest. Namely, in the tunnels, we are finding big ceramic blocks. Some of them, you know, as low as 350 kilos, which is you know, 800 pounds. Some of them, uh, four tons, which is about 9,000 pounds. Some of them, 8,000 pounds. I mean, 8,000 kilos or um, 18,000 pounds. The one that we called K2. And there is one piece of ceramic which is 100 tons. 100 tons is 220,000 pounds. So wow. we have analyzed that material at the Institute for Atomic Physics. They got our samples, and they applied very sophisticated analysis. They call them Röntgen diffraction analysis and phase analysis. And they determined that it was definitely ceramic material. Now, for ceramic, you need high temperature. And if you make 8-ton ceramic block, well, definitely, you have to have advanced technology. So, interesting thing is that that block was under the material, under conglomerate, and when we find the organic material in that conglomerate, it turns out that this, uh, organ this organic material was 32,000 years old, meaning the block which was below is older than 32,000 years. And it tells us that advanced civilization existed more than 30,000 years back. The interesting thing about those blocks, you know, we've done many analyses. One of them is showing that K2 block shows high frequencies. High frequencies affect our spirituality, again, in a beneficial way. That place is ideal to relax, to meditate, to achieve very quickly 
astral projection. And then we have another block, which we call K1. Now, K1 has uh, you know, a lot of low frequencies, and low frequency penetrates the body, affecting our blood circulation system. And the blood flows quicker, we are healthier. So now we can see that the ancients knew that by special location of those blocks above the underground water flows and some other energy bottom places, with the special content. So besides the ceramic, and the ceramic was made from, you know, sandstone. We can see quartz crystals, and we can see the element called muscovite. Muscovite, very rare element. So by those special uh, combination, they are getting such an interesting blocks. That we have healing aspects, spiritual aspects, being uh, located above underground water flows. And we know that if, for example, under our uh, bedroom we have underground water flow, and being exposed to this type of the energy, this is, you know, geopathogenic race. Eventually, three, five, ten years later, we're going to get sick. So, for us humans, it's type of the negative energy. But this block, or these blocks, what they do, located above underground water flows, they neutralize negative energy, transforming to positive. So, the ancients were so smart. They knew, you know, energy resources below the ground. And they knew how to turn them to their benefit. So uh, these blocks, are, and you know, people love them so much. They are there, they close their eyes, they feel different sensations. They open their hands, they can feel the tingling in their fingers, energy flowing through their hands. So these are the things they cannot find at other archaeological sites. No other, you know, conventional scientists, researchers, travel guides talk about this phenomenon, but us. Oh, well, I and did notice are... on one of your on one of your videos, you were um, by one of those ceramic boulders, and mm-hmm. the, the dog got up and took a nap. It was, it was... Yeah. <coughs> yeah, that's my dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's my dog, Sunny. Uh-huh. He's a royal poodle. And now he's a dog. Dog has natural reflex. Their reflex is to go to the places where is the positive energy and where is the strongest charge of the positive energy. So, when we come to the tunnels, when we come close to that block, the first thing he does, he climbs the block, and then he lays there, and he lays exactly above <clears throat> the quartz crystal. There is a piece of quartz crystal inside that block. So this is the ah. strongest place. So he does that you know, naturally. That's his reflex. We also know that cats, for example, cats, they always go to the places with negative energy. For example, underground water flows or intersections of 
Hartmann lines, Hartmann grids, or Kiris lines, or Schneider's grids. So when it's negative energy, cats are <clears throat> attracted to those places. Horses. Horses always go to the positive spots. So wherever dog or horse lays, this is a good place for us humans. And now we know that those blocks are always above underground water flows, which should be negative energy for us. But if dog lays there on top of the block, it means that the block indeed neutralizes the negative and transforms it to the positive energy. These are amazing stuff, and then you know we are becoming aware of those stuff. So we simply need well, now, to. Yeah. Now you you there are a lot of these ceramic blocks. Um, yes. In the tunnels, do they all have crystals in them, or or are they all? I mean, are they all similar? In other words, do they well, have something? You know, for two when you know. Uh, we used the GPR machines, but we had to, of course, pay those teams, and they charge so much per hour. And we were checking not only blocks, we were checking also the tunnels, looking for some underground passages and so on. So we have checked two blocks, and both of them, they indeed have those pieces of coarse crystal. But we believe that all others have the same thing, so they are producing the same effect. You get to the yeah, tunnel, you feel positive stuff on, you know, subconscious level. There is nothing negative, no cosmic radiations, no radioactivity, no cell phone signals, nothing, nothing, nothing bad, just the positive stuff. And that's the genius of the ancients. Gotcha. They knew how to make such safe, secure, and positive places. <clears throat> Now, from from what I've read and, or seen, and obviously not everything, um, there there was only one of these boulders that had runes or some sort of writing on it. Yes. Now, on one of the blocks, we did find eight symbols that match runic symbols or runes. Officially. Uh, the runes are the oldest form of writing in uh, Europe. Again, officially, they are about 2,500 years old, Central Europe, going to the north, Scandinavia, going to the west, the United Kingdom, 2,000 years back. However, according to the independent researchers, runes are at least 8,000 years old, because in many places in Hungary, but also others, you know, Norway and some other countries, they are much, much older than, you know, third um, millennium uh, before present, 8,000. Personally, I believe that they are even older. Why? The alphabet that we use, A, B, C, D, we have letters, and they don't mean anything. Letter A means nothing. Letter B, nothing. Letter C, nothing. Only when we put five or ten letters together, we get words. And words, they have meanings. Well, in the case of runic symbols, every symbol was actually a symbol. It meant something. And then the next level, every symbol 
representing a number. And then the next level, every number had a meaning. So really, in order to define when you put one or two runic symbols, you needed time and a lot of knowledge. So those eight symbols, seven of them have been deciphered by a friend of ours. She's a professor in the U.S. And according to her, the translation of the message would go like this. The gate has been closed. We are at the standstill. We will have to defend ourselves and conquer until the cosmic gate is open again. Boom. So, and then in the meantime, we received the second translation, which is very similar to the first one, just another element, element of water or element of flood has been added. So it seems that somebody was uh, in those tunnels, using those tunnels, back then, maybe before or during the uh, end of the last age because of the flood, they were not able to move, and uh, they said the cosmic gate was closed, and they will need to wait until it opens again. So these are rather intriguing messages. And uh, even though I think those messages are not coming from the original builders, because they go back for more than 30,000 years, it tells us that there are some uh, other beings using those tunnels and using the pyramid energy in the past. Yeah, interesting. That that fascinating. <laughs> Actually, yes. you do, you do begin to to wonder. Just um, see, my belief is my belief system is that that every time there's been a mass extinction, that that there were beings that that then evolved, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they were human. Um, you know, there there could have been a different kind of life form completely that that evolved and that, that um, created cities, created towns, created pyramids, or whatever. And and then when the mass extinction happened, you know, it, it sort of gave. It's almost as though um, the other side, the creator, is trying to perfect a kind of being that will be all that they can be without killing each other off. And, that you know, at some point in time, we may face a mass extinction because we, we have not, or we have, depending on which way it goes, reached that element, that level of, of consciousness that enables us to to join a cosmic brotherhood of some sort that goes beyond this planet. And and it it feels like the Bosnian pyramid certainly is one of those places where where other generations of the evolution of our consciousnesses have have been. And it's almost like a touchstone. You know, that, that you know, this is this is a source 
if you can understand it and find out what it means. And and uh, you certainly you you know you're using every tool available for sure at this moment in time and and it feels like you're doing it exactly right that that you don't have huge machines in there you don't have huge corporations controlling you you're giving everything away and people are volunteering their time and that's the way it's supposed to be yes yeah. I agree and. Um... You know, when you mention other beings, what we do have available when it comes to the scientific proofs, a couple of very important documents discovered in Egypt and Sumeria. One of the most important artifacts from ancient Egypt, actually not in Egypt, but in uh, Turin, Italy, it's called Turin King List. It's a big papyrus. It's about uh, 30 feet long. And it was brought to Turin, Italy, back in 1820s. And the French consul, at that time Turin was part of France. And the French consul, you bought it on auction, and then they ship it over there. And today the Egyptian Museum in Turin has more than 20,000 artifacts. This is the most important one. that shows... 11 columns in which are the names, the cartouches and the names of all Egyptian rulers. The last phase is the phase of sons of gods. And these are the pharaohs that we know, you know, the third, the zero dynasty, the first, the second, the third, the Joseph from the third, the fourth, you know, uh, chaos, you know, the fifth, the sixth, and so on. And, you know, they would rule Egypt from anywhere from two years to ten years, like King Tut, to 67 years, like Ramesses the second, and so on. But this is the third phase, sons of gods. The phase before that, demigods. And they would rule Egypt 100 years, 200 years, 300 years each. And the phase before that, the era of gods. The gods that descended from the sky. And they would rule Egypt 1,000 years each in average. From back of 41,000 years ago. So now we see that gods, but not capital G, gods came to Egypt and they were ruling Egypt. And then when we go to the east, there is even more important document called Sumerian King List. And there, literally in stone, we have carved all Sumerian rulers. The first one came, the kingdom, you know, the kingdom from sky, came to the planet Earth 273,000 years back. Alulin and Alajar, the first two rulers, were ruling Sumer, respectively 36,000 and 28,800 years. 
and the next rollers in average 30,000 years, all the way down to about 32,000 years back, when something happened, and those rollers that could roll 30,000 years, they were gone. And the lesser gods came to power, and they would rule Sumer in average 1,000 years each. And it perfectly matches the period, same period in Egypt, 1,000, 1,000 years old. And of course, <coughs> the last era are the children of God in Sumer. So now we have scientific proof. We have artifacts. We have description. We have names of the rulers. We have the age when they ruled. You cannot deny that. They are talking about the gods with a small g. They are talking uh -huh. about different pieces coming to our planet. And introducing the new technology and a lot of new knowledge. And when you think about places like Sumer, you know, what we know from the documents from six, seven thousand years back is that at that point they were at the highest level. In every aspect, political, business, legal, surgeries, medical and so on. For example, in political aspect, they had two dome parliament. It is highest level of democracy that we have today in the U.S., you know, the Congress, through the uh -huh. representatives, senators, it's a two-dome parliament. The same thing in uh, England, in France, in Poland, in Germany. In all countries, you have two-dome parliament. They had 7,000 years back. You know, medical surgeries. You know, legal, you know, stuff and so on. So, and after, it seems like somebody brought them all that knowledge. They put oh, them yeah. in business and they, were, and they were gone. And then all of a sudden, all you can see is decline in every aspect because they were on their own. Or better to say, we were on our own. And without the help from more developed and superior, of course, he started doing you know, all this stuff, you know, the violence and the wars. In the last 7,000 years, we've been having 15,000 wars. So the history of humanity is not about technological progress. It is about the violence. We've been producing simply so much negative energy. It is like somebody wants us to produce this energy so they can feed on this energy. So going back to the more advanced civilization, yes, you know, we have so many proofs about them. And when you take pyramids on one hand, but also megalithic sites on the other hand, the same thing, some type of energy machine to generate subtle forms of energy. But like I said, the pyramids, multi-purpose machine, the same thing applies on megalithic sites, light, stone hand in England, Avebury Hill, three megalithic circles in England, um, Alastainer in southern Sweden, Brujmalhiri in Israel, Karnak 
thousands and thousands of menhirs and dolmens and land for megaliths in Western Sven. Originally, 250,000 of megaliths throughout the Western Europe, from Poland and Czech and Slovakia to Germany, Italy, Spain, Portugal, France, Ireland, UK. The ancients were using those megaliths. They were using them also in India, in Pakistan, even northern Bangladesh, in Senegal, uh-huh. in Africa. They knew the connection between those, you know, elongated megaliths, long megaliths. When you, you know, place them upright, they connect with our mother planet. At the same time, they neutralize negative energy coming from underground, either from the underground waters or Hartmann grids and so on. So those intelligence, intelligent hands, they were very smart. They knew how to play with the energy, and we have so much to learn from them. You know, it, it kind of feels as though the Earth is a deserted museum with just some of the art. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of deserted because they built a better one someplace else and they left a lot of their tools here and and we're limping along trying to make them work so that we can learn from them. And and, uh, it would be nice if they came back and gave us the owner's manual. but you know what? We can figure that one out with our technology and our level of knowledge. But since the elites, they don't want us to learn from, from those examples. Imagine for how many centuries they kept us in dark when it comes to the pyramid and pyramid energies. Instead of using it for the beneficial purposes so the society can benefit, you know, they are keeping that knowledge away from us. It's not only about the pyramids. It's not only even about megalithic sites. We come to the U.S. soil. You go to the state of Ohio. Today, there are 42,000 registered mounds. Of course, the best known being Ohio Serpent Mound. Ohio Serpent Mound, amazing structure. What you have, you have raised level of soil. It's a mound, but in the shape of the snake. Yeah. Okay, like a little spiral, and then you have the body, you know, moving, uh, you know, zigzag and with the head and something that is that oblong. The <coughs> like egg. Not looks like the egg. Yeah. Looks like the egg. It's my fitting back. And then when I was there, uh, what they marked is that the body of the snake. Uh, shows the place where the sun is setting during the summer solstice across the sun is rising during the summer solstice then winter solstice then fall equinox and spring equinox then four lunar phases and we realize it is like astronomical observatory and then uh, I was having my focus meditation there, and then I, I was getting information that besides sun and the moon, we have also involved four 
of our planet in the solar system, but also some star constellations. Why is that important? We know that many similar sites in the world do show the movement of the sun and the moon. Well, sun and the moon are two most important cosmic bodies for our planet. And, of course, the most important phases in the sun's movement are the, you know, equinox uh, and the solstice. And the moon, even though it's rather small, it does have, it does have a huge, you know, effect on, on our planet and so on. So once you have shown the movement of the sun and the moon, you actually define your own planet. So if you're coming from another planet, just by following those phenomena, you know exactly that you came to the planet Earth. So one level is that through astronomy, you define your position in uh, the galaxy. And uh, while I was having this uh, meditation, you know, I could notice that uh, the height of the mound, when it comes to how certain mound, is different. On some places, it was like three foot or five foot or eight foot or even ten foot. And the information I was getting is different heights show different periods of the growth of human civilization. Sometimes it's going up, sometimes it's going down. Another information I was getting was that uh, those who really built, who are creators, they were there already two times. The first time, more than two uh, millennia ago. The second time, 1,000 years back. They were adding some elements. And both times, they were witnessed by human non-technological civilization, by the local Indians. And the message I got, when they return the next time, the third time, it will be also non-technological human civilization. So these little uh, (laughs) focus meditations are in my last book, which uh, I call The Meditation of the Sacred Places, from Tibet to Bulgaria to the U.S. So I started talking about the mounds. 42,000 of them are registered in the state of Ohio today. What does that mean? It means that originally there are probably 100 or maybe 200,000 of them. And they are throughout of the eastern part of the U.S. Illinois, Mississippi, Louis, down to Louisiana, and so on. Of course, the probably most impressive uh, is the Cahokia Mounds, the Cahokia Pyramids. And the intriguing stuff and I spoke to the archaeologists at the site a few years back. I asked them if they were doing some archaeological research on those pyramids because the biggest one, which is called the Monk's Mound. Monk's Why Monk's yeah. Mound? Because in the 17th century, the French mission was there. They had some monks. It had nothing to do with those mounds, with those pyramids. And Cahokia is the name for the minor Indian tribe that also came to the area in the 17th century when those pyramids were abandoned for a very long time. So the deception really starts with the names. They give them the name that has nothing to do with the real builders. 
a, a fine time period that have nothing to do with the real builders. They explain how it was built, which has nothing to do with the real methodology. And finally, they give the purpose, which is so far from the you know true purpose. So I asked this archaeologist if um, they did any archaeological excavation, if they found tunnels or passageways or underground water flows or you know the, the questions that really uh, were of interest for me. And he said no. I said why not? He said, well, two reasons. First, it's very hard to get permission. And second, the archaeology is very expensive. Hard to get permission. I mean, this is state land, state park, state museum, state archaeologist. It should be a piece of cake to get <laughs> permission. Yeah, not really. Monks found... Yeah, Monk's Mound is fascinating because it's got five or six different kinds of soil that in layers yes. that make it up. Yes. Yes. Different level of conductivity, energy conductivity, different layers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the second reason he said uh, archaeology is very expensive. Well, I was thinking, well, archaeology is expensive, really. You have to have budgets to dig and so on. But U.S. is the only remaining superpower on the planet. What do, what do you mean expensive? I ran the largest archaeological project from Bosnia. Bosnia, the poorest European country. So what do you mean expensive? It's much more than that. Those pyramids in Cahokia were not built by American Indians. You go to the museum at the site, which was built in 1979, $25 million American taxpayers. Today, it's probably $100 million. And all you can see are half-naked Indians building pyramids. Indians never built pyramids. Indians never built no. such huge permanent structures. They were nomads. They moved the, you know, uh, the animals, bisons, and, and so on. So, if not Indian, if not white European, who never built pyramids, then who? There you go. We need to change American history. And now we have a problem because it goes further in the past. And we have very advanced civilization. This is true. They are so reluctant to rewrite the history books that that we are teaching our children untruths that are that are just horrifying and yeah. uh you, you know every decade they should be required to change the history books and and I know that the a lot of the books that that they're being I I I taught school for 25 years and I noticed that that the books were never updated even encyclopedias every year used to come out with and uh, an addition that covered all of the you know discoveries that has happened in that past year, but mm-hmm. you don't get any of that today. I they're still using books that that I used when I taught, and that was like 25 years ago. They, they, there's no updating. There's no you know giving children enlightening information so that they have a good frame of reference to go forward on. They're they're stuck back in the in the seventies and sixties as far as the textbooks go. I think that's true, and that's the shame because the history 
is science that is really very alive, archaeology also, many discoveries. In the last 20 years, when you look at the Yonaguni monuments at the bottom of the Pacific floor, more than 12,000 years old, Gobekli Tepe, officially 11,600, but late, oh, Dr. Klaus Schmidt, me 15 to 18,000 years, hundreds of mm-hmm. megalithic circles, with the T-shaped pillars, uh, Machu Picchu, the first civilization, 55,000 years, Mexican pyramids, the oldest over 12,000, Bosnian pyramids, 33,600 years. So the world really looked different than what they are trying to teach us and you know what they've been programming us with. And that's a shame. Absolutely. And sometimes that the majority of the people don't care. They should well, it's, care. It's, it's kind of like Pumapunka. We have all of the puzzle pieces. We just haven't been able to put them together yet. Correct. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to. I just noticed the time, and we're yes. out of time. But would you, you're in um, Laughlin, Nevada for a conference. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. And are you going to be so, here? Uh, two, hours, I think two hours this time uh, would be enough because we have covered a lot of ground. But we can continue oh, yeah. our, uh, our communication maybe some other time in the future. Oh, and then, yes, we can cover Yeah, you can more. bet on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I think we have really nice, we have had a nice conversation today and... Uh, uh, it's good that we have people uh, who, you know, think alike and who who wants to know the truth. And uh, today Absolutely. we have such beautiful tools like Internet, like instead of using it and going very deep and uh, comparing the information, filtering them, we stay on the surface. We want to know something, we go to the non-scientific controlled sites like Wikipedia, and uh, we think that we know everything, we don't. So No, but but the wonderful yeah. part of it is we can do shows like this. We can put information out there, and people can listen, get curious, and start to do research on their own. So yes. you, you, you have, I, I'm, I so appreciate you're taking the time to talk, and Absolutely, I'll have you back, and I will have a longer list of questions for you then. So um, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and, and all of the work that you've done, and hopefully we can get people more and more interested in, in looking into the past so that, so that we have an opportunity for a brighter future that's more full of love and community and compassion and find a way to a better life where we can let go of that harmful stuff and and just do the pay it forward, which is a lot better. Well, that's true. Well, thank you, you know, for having me on the show. For those who want to learn more about Bosnian pyramids, who want to come, visit, volunteer, our official website, bosnianpyramid.org, bosnianpyramid.org. They'll all be welcome, and uh, they have a special, special energy going on over there. And uh, 
hope that you will be joining us one day as well. I think that that's a possibility for sure. Uh, so thank you again. Uh, I want to thank everybody else. Good night. Please take a take a look at the website. It's amazing. And uh, Dr. Sam also has a lot of uh, YouTubes uh, out there that will show you a lot of pictures of what we've been talking about. Well worth your time, and it will make you curious and wonder. And as you wonder, then everything opens up for you, and uh, magic can happen. Good night, everybody. <laughs>